After generating over a million dollars in sales and selling one of her businesses with a single email, your host, Katherine Thompson, takes an unconventional approach to marketing and sales. So if you're ready to tap into a more powerful way to be seen, heard, and a sought-after entrepreneur in your industry without having to spend endless hours marketing your business and chasing clients, you're in the right place. Be the Sought-After Entrepreneur Podcast is here to help you ditch the cookie-cutter, one-size-fits-all approach to marketing and use your unique energy to effortlessly attract the most aligned clients. When you do this, you can spend less time marketing your business and and more time doing your soul work and enjoying the richness of your life. Welcome to Be the Sought After Entrepreneur Podcast. And here's your host, Katherine Thompson. Hey, hey, Katherine here. I'm so glad you're tuning in. If you're new to the show, welcome, welcome. I'm super stoked that you're here. If you've been around for a bit, you know I'm all about keeping it real with you, showing you all sides of entrepreneurship and life. I mean, it's all connected, right? And like this episode and all the ones before, there is no exception. I am dishing it to you real. But before we dive in and bring on a very special guest, I want to share a bit of a story with you. So a couple weeks ago, I was chatting with one of my mastermind sisters, and she asked me how I really get into a state of rest and relaxation. Like, what do I actually do? And I absolutely loved that she asked me this because two and a half years ago, three years ago, four years ago, pretty much my entire adult life, I had been operating in a state of hustle pure willpower, grit, go, go, go. I don't think I ever really stopped to rest and relax other than going on a two week or a three week vacation. But other than that, I was in constant work mode, constant doing mode. So for the fact that she asked me how I did it, she was looking to me for insight. I was just totally blown away because about a year and a half ago, two years ago, I made a commitment to myself to really try to at least put some practices in place. And it's been a work in progress. I'll tell you that to really find time throughout my day, throughout my weeks, throughout my months to rest and to relax. And I predominantly use meditation. I might go for a walk out in nature. I might read a book. I'm, I know that might not sound like full relaxation because I am stimulating my mind, so to speak, but picking up a good book really does help me drop into a state of rest and relaxation and enjoyment and pleasure and all of that. So those are the ways in which I predominantly do it. And why I'm sharing this with you is because the guest we have on today is somebody who is going to share with you a way to get out of that brain of ours. I am somebody who, like I said, used to hustle and grind and all of that. And I was an overthinker in a way that I didn't even realize I was overthinking. My brain was constantly processing and stimulating ideas, right? My brain never shut off. And maybe you can resonate with this. And I know my mastermind sister that asked me that was somebody who was like, my brain just never shuts off. I'm reading a book. I'm constantly thinking about what I need to be doing at work or how this might apply to work. Um, you know, if I'm walking with my child, I'm, I'm constantly looking around, but my brain is always running with ideas, thoughts, things I need to do, places I need to go, things I might have forgot to do, like, you know, go for groceries that day or do the dishes or unplug my curling iron, whatever it is, that brain is constantly going. And our guest today is going to share a tactic with us 
journaling that's going to help you kind of get out of your head a bit and put all those thoughts, whether it's negative self-talk or your million dollar idea, out on paper or just out of your head. And journaling has never been something that stuck with me. I tried it. I tried to sit down and write and all these sorts of things. But our special guest today, I know is going to change your perspective on that because I learned and she's going to share with you, there are various ways to journal and you don't just need to have a pen and paper in hand. You can, there's other methods and other ways. And so it is my Full pleasure to have Megan, the author of the book, The Power Within, her guide to journaling, empowering ambitious women to become the ever-changing best versions of themselves, share her story of how journaling helped her live her best self. She's also a podcaster, a professor with a PhD in English. She's deeply passionate about words, books, critical thinking, personal growth, and self-empowerment for women. And when she's not teaching or writing, she's likely talking way too loud on the phone, reading, walking, or re-watching Gilmore Girls for the zillionth time. So without further ado, let's dive in and connect and chat with Megan. Please welcome Megan to the show. Hey, hey, I am super stoked to have Megan on the show today. I'm really excited because as a fellow author um, and someone who self-published a book too, I'm really excited to connect with you and uh, have you share with our listeners what that journey was like, why the book, all of that. So without further ado, I'm just going to turn it right over to you so that you can introduce yourself and let our listeners know who you are, what you do and uh, who you serve. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. So my name is Megan. I am a writer, new author, <laughs> um, oh, yeah. podcaster, professor, dog mom, like all the things. <laughs> I wear oh. many, many hats. Um, I live in Iowa in the United States and I'm in a very rural, very small, small town. Like, and when I tell people I'm rural and small, they're like, oh yeah, okay, cool. Like, I bet you still have Walmart. I'm like, no, we don't. Like the Amish literally clop by in the background. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> as, yeah. As I record my own podcast, so I am very rural and I, I teach at a very small college and yeah, I just, you know, have the side hustle of writing and podcasting and that kind of stuff really fulfills me. So yeah. So amazing. And I love that. Yeah. That you're very rural when you give the example that there is no Walmart around, because that <laughs> is a really good reference of how small your town, your community is. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And I know you say you're a professor. What is, what are you a professor in? Yeah, I, so I have three degrees in English. So my specialization is literature, but I often wind up teaching writing. <laughs> so, which is, which is great, which is really, really great. So um, yeah, I teach, I specialized in American literature, lots of like pop culture, Margaret Atwood. I'm so jealous that Canadians get to claim Margaret Atwood. She is just, yeah. oh my God, she's the be all end all of everything yeah. <laughs> for me. So yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And so you being a professor, then you have this like side hustle going on as a podcaster and author. Now you just published a book. Is that your first book that you published? Yes. Yeah, so technically I have my doctoral dissertation, but I don't fully count that. Like that's like a book length project, but yeah, this is the first book I've actually put out into the world. And it was, it's been one of the most like rewarding, fulfilling things I've ever written to date because I got to write it in a way that was number one, like authentically me. Yeah. And number two, like 
I got to co-create it with my community. And that is something I've never done before because in the academic space, it's all about what you're going to argue. What's your thesis? Did you prove it? Where's the evidence? Sandwich the quote, like all the stuff, all the stuff that I do that I teach my students how to do. And, you know, I've never taken, like, obviously you take people's feedback into consideration, no matter what it is that you're writing, but this was a totally new experience where I literally was writing the book with the women in my community. What are your concerns? Like I will address them, like just taking feedback as I went. And it was so fun. So cool because yeah, it is such a different world academia writing for academia versus Mm -hmm. self-publishing or publishing your own book um, on your own accord, right? Like you said, it was Mm -hmm. totally authentic to who you are, but also in collaboration and co-creation with your community, which is super cool. Um, so why the book? Like what, what inspired you to write this book? What is the book? What's it called? Who's it yeah. for? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So the book is called, uh, the power within her guide to journaling. And so the, the first part, the power within her, that's my podcast. It's also kind of my brand, like my personal brand that, I am building and it's all about, you know, the fact that we as women have so much more power and potential within us than we realize and we give ourselves credit for. Um, And then the second part is like the guide to journaling because so many women were approaching me on Instagram, like sliding in my DMs saying like, Hey, you talk a lot about journaling, (laughs) you know, like either like on your podcast, like, or, you know, just like showing yourself like journaling on your Instagram stories. And they're like, I love to do it. I would love to get into it, but I just, I don't know how was like the huge question. And then things of like where and when and how much and what kind of journaling and what do I do when I'm self-censoring? What do I do with just like the blank page? It's like staring up at me. What do I do? Like, I don't know what to do, you know? I'm like, oh my gosh. I have answers to all of these questions. Like this is a real problem in the world that other ambitious women are having that I can solve. And so I decided that I was going to write a book (laughs) and, you know, so it's, I mean, it's just been like a whole big journey to, to, to get to this place, but it's just been so fun because it's happened organically. Yeah. So cool. Did you find that writing this book did you find the process any different than writing your dissertations or any academic papers in terms of, you know, what to write and like, did it flow easier or not? I'm just curious to know what the process was like for you. Oh, that's such a good question. Yeah. So in, you know, with writing a dissertation there, there were lots of steps, like a multi-year step process, right. With signatures and exams and people signing off on things, you know, and my dissertation is 100% like me. Like I definitely put me into it. It's what I like. It was, um, you know, feminist dystopian literature, like Margaret Atwood was at the center of it. Like it was, it was so much fun. It was very me, but you know, it's, it's academic. It's written for a very different type of audience, you know, and some like, and, and I don't want to say that feedback's not, not a good thing, (laughs) but you know, I mean, there are people besides myself deciding what you're going to include, what you're not going to include. It doesn't matter how compelling or excited you are about one thing. If they want it cut, (laughs) it gets cut, you know? Um, very similar to like the traditional publishing route for, for some people from what I hear, but anyway, um, yeah. So like, I mean, I, I, it's, it's been me the entire time. Like I'm the, (laughs) I'm the writer, I'm the producer, like I'm the editor, I'm the, I'm the person that makes all the decisions. So that was really cool and really scary all at the same time, because I'm like, all right, 
there's nobody to tell me you need to cut this. You don't need to cut that. Like it's too long, speed it up, add more detail. Like there's nobody else, you know, there, but me, and I'm solely responsible for all those decisions. And of course I did end up hiring an editor, but I still got the final say with everything. So that was very exciting, but also very scary. Um, so I would say that's like the number one difference is you don't have anybody else to answer to, but yourself technically. Totally. And I so resonate with that because when I wrote my master's thesis, I self-published a book simultaneously with it because the thesis was so academic and anybody that doesn't know academia um, (laughs) or, you know, hasn't read research papers or anything like that, it's just a very different vibe and spoken Mm -hmm. to a very different audience than the public. And I had traveled to the Philippines and lived in a remote village. And so I wanted to share the stories of that in not in an academic way so that family and friends could understand what I went through and what was I experiencing and all of that without the academic jargon, so to speak, (laughs) and without me fighting for one side or the other, right? Like making your argument, Mm -hmm. right? It's like more of a story um, and sharing more of my stories. And so that's why I asked the question about, you know, what was the process like? Mm -hmm. Like, did you feel different in that process? Did you feel like you hit any like writer's block? Was there any challenging parts of writing the book? Yeah, yeah, I definitely hit (laughs) some writer's block. And it's because I, I can be such a workhorse right? Like I can just, I can lock in, I can go like showing up as one of my biggest, um, skills, yeah. <laughs> you know, but uh, so throughout this whole entire process, I had to learn to, um, to really like take breaks and decide differently what showing up meant for each individual day, you know? So, um, that was like one of the biggest things. Yeah. And I, I hit a similar thing too. I was writing the thesis while writing the book at the exact same time, which was crazy. Bananas. Yeah, it was bananas. (laughs) And I remember like showing up as my really good badge of honor there for me as well. And it was like, I remember sitting at the computer, like forcing myself to write. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is crazy because the words just weren't flowing. And Mm -hmm. if anything, the process taught me to take breaks and to actually the creative process is more of a journey than it is like, okay, yeah. you're, you give yourself this time frame to do mm-hmm. it and you've got to get it done. So how long did it take you to actually write and publish the book? Yeah. So I started around like, like a year ago, essentially yeah. a year ago, I made the decision to write the book and then I didn't like technically start until May. Yeah. You know, and I had most of it drafted by the end of the summer. And then, I mean, it was rough. Like it was really <laughs> rough. And I sat on it for a long time. Cause I got in my head about it of like, Oh, it's not perfect. Ugh, nobody wants to read this. Like just, you know, like all those things popping up. Yeah. And <laughs> then, um, a woman I admire so much. And I think we share her in common, um, Keisha Fitzgerald, like I was on a call yeah. with her and she's like, I hear you saying it, it, you know, imposter syndrome. I hear you saying perfectionism, but what you're really saying is that you're not having any fun and you're not asking for help. And I was like, Oh, with the truth, why always with the truth. Right. And (laughs) so I, you know, that's when I hired an editor, I was like, I'm going to show this ugly, like crazy manuscript with somebody else. They're going to rip it apart and I'm going to make it better. Like word by word, page Ah. by page, this is going to improve. So that was a huge turning point for me. And, you know, part of even solving the 
the writer's block, you know, because it's like, I was, I was at a point where I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is as far as I can take it on my own. I need fresh eyes. I need somebody else to like loop in and sort of help me. So the entire process, I mean, took about, yeah, about a year, but the revising process, I will say took so much longer than I thought. And I came up against so many formatting problems <laughs> toward the very end, but I conquered, I figured it out and, you know, here we are. <laughs> Yeah, and I love that you shared that. And I love uh, Keisha Fitzgerald too. I had her on the show back in September, I believe, but I absolutely love her. And yeah, mm-hmm. she's, she'll dish it to you real, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I love that you shared the process of it because I think sometimes when we sit down to do any creative endeavor, like publishing a book or writing anything, I mean, writing even social media posts if you're marketing for your business, right? Mm-hmm. Is like we get in our head about what that process should look like. And, and you mentioned the editing process was and the formatting and all of that took a lot longer than maybe mm-hmm. you had anticipated and I, I resonate with that as well because I equally hired an editor I also hired someone to design and and put the book together yes. for me because I was yeah. like I I could do this <laughs> but <laughs> same thing I think I would have uh probably resented the process and probably maybe not even got the book out the door mm-hmm. but that editor is such a great eye to mm-hmm. help refine what you've done and really massage it to make it even better. Right. Mm -hmm. And then come back to you with, and I know the like publishing world can be different. Editors can hack things out and say, no, this isn't going Mm -hmm. or whatever. They can really control the process a little differently than like a self-publishing process. Mm -hmm. Right. So I love that you share that because I think that, again, like I said, we get in our heads of what that creative process should look like and that it Mm -hmm. should be perfect. The first round and it is not when writing mm-hmm. really anything right yeah, even a definitely. dissertation or yeah academic yeah, yeah. paper yeah oh, for sure yeah we think it's you know you go from point a to point b like it's going to be great like i'm going to write a book and every day i'm going to sit down i'm going to crank out the pages and it's going to be easy like one two three here we go and oh my gosh like when i first started i i envisioned the book as like the 60 to 80 pdf like 125 pages like maximum right and it blew up into like a 360 some page book love it because even as i wrote i was like oh i can expand on this and like here's another thing i can add and this and this and it just kept growing and you know if i would have stuck to the plan and said okay we're doing all this like it would have lost so much value so i think with writing particularly like it's good to have a plan. It's good to know who you're writing for, what you're doing, but just kind of being open to how much it could expand or even, you know, twist into something else. Yeah. I love that because I think that we can put constraints on ourselves Mm -hmm. in our creative process, right. Where we actually don't allow ourselves to, like you said, add in a lot of the juicy parts that you would have probably left out. Had you said, Oh, I'm just doing, you know, 90 pages or 120 pages max Mm -hmm. that you would have left out a lot of the good pieces of, and the value of it. Right. Mm -hmm. But also being able to let your like imagination really flow and just let the words flow, right. Mm -hmm. Not restricting yourself. So in terms of publishing it, you self-published, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how did you go about doing that? Like, what was your process there for self-publishing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not going to lie. Like that was like my least favorite part <laughs> yeah. of the whole entire thing. Um, you know, in, in the future, like, you know, that's something I'm going to like hire out to find, you know, the very best like places to do things. Um, but I'm really happy with the, the, you know, self-publisher distribute. It's probably actually the more appropriate word is distributor. The yeah. distributor that I went through um, is Barnes and 
and Noble. It was actually very easy to use on the back end. Um, I learned some lessons in patience <laughs> um, by using the back end, but like their stuff is really easy, um, easy to use, very straightforward. Like it's it's really cool. So um, so yeah, but I I had my husband do some of the research for me, but yeah, that's that's not that's not my strength. No. I don't have the patience for that. <laughs> totally, totally. And so why journaling? Like, I know you're on this mm. mission to like empower women to like really see the power within themselves and mm. uh, more than the credit they've probably given themselves their whole lives. So yeah. why journaling? What is it about journaling that really helps women unlock that power within themselves? Ooh, I love this question so much. <laughs> yeah. So I know everybody's journey is going to be completely different, but back in like the summer of 2020, I was going through some stuff. Like my mindset just felt very, um, bruised and kind of broken. Right. Yeah. Like where it was like, everything was negative. Like I was in a total victim mindset of like, everything's happening to me. <laughs> Poor yeah. me. Woe is me type of like attitude. Right. And something happened with my family and it was kind of a wake up call. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this is not who I want to be. I am so far away from the person I used to be. Like I used to get, um, criticized or like called out when I was a teenager of saying like, you're so optimistic. You're so annoyingly optimistic. Like I would find the silver lining and being able to run in the rain at a track meet in high school. And like, people were very annoyed by that. And so I had found myself in a place where I was nowhere near that person anymore. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is like, what has happened? And so I made the decision to start really working on that consciously. And so I started to listen to podcasts and I started to find resources to help me sort of work on that. Cause I'd never actively really worked on my mindset before. And so I listened to a couple of podcasts. Um, first one was, um, the mindset mentor by Rob dial it was fantastic. It was an episode about being addicted to negative thinking, which I like totally was, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then also, um, Keisha Fitzgerald's podcast. I found it just by Googling, you know, podcasts. And I really wanted to get into podcasts that were by women for women. And it was her episode of Empower Her that I think interviewed Jess Ekstrom about her book about chasing the bright side. And it was about how optimism is a choice. And just kind of like from there, it's like, it just kind of like, <laughs> you know, took off and, and my mindset, you know, started to, started to change. I started to realize things. And I got to a point where I was consuming so many podcasts that I was like, my brain feels like Thanksgiving and it's just like stuffed full of amazing things <laughs> yeah. that are going to leak out of my head, you know? So I was at the store with my husband and I was like, I need to buy a journal. So I started to write down all of these like points or quotes or things that these podcasters were saying. And then I started to notice <laughs> that podcasters, especially in the personal development space, ask you questions, right? And they don't do this for their own health. They do it yeah. for you, right? <laughs> yeah. Because it's really important to do that crucial critical thinking, that crucial inner work to really think about how these concepts they talk about apply to you or don't apply to you or how you can tailor them to your life. So I started doing the exercises that Rob Dial has in like almost all of his episodes. I started to journal out Keisha's questions and then that kind of tail spin, spun, whatever yeah. <laughs> into me starting to ask my own questions, reflecting on my own life, my own decisions, reframing things like processing things. And it just kind of spun from there. And it was this process of like finding myself again, kind of like a lost to found and growing into a, the type of person, you know, cause that when, when I first started the journey, it was like, I want to get back to that optimistic person, yeah. <laughs> you know? And now it's like, I found my way back to autism, autism. Oh my gosh. Optimism, <laughs> excuse me. Um, my, I found my way back to optimism, but 
it's different, you know, like it's, it's not, it's not the same person that I was like, it's a whole new person, just a whole new way of being and thinking and all this stuff. And so that was a very long winded (laughs) answer to your question. But I just think that journaling has so much power because it allows us to process, allows us to check in, to practice gratitude, to track goals, to see the physical, you know, growth over time. Cause I have entries and I go into this in the book where I talk about like last fall, just being under all this undue pressure where I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to get to the classroom 10 minutes early. And if I'm not, it's a disaster. If I'm not <sighs> taking attendance as the students walk in, like you're a failure. Like these were like the, the soundtracks to use John Acuff's phrasing going on in my head. And so I would come home and I would process all the way like through that. I would say, okay, how can I work on this? What does that look like? Affirmations, rewriting stories. Like I was doing all of this work to get myself to where I wanted to go. And now it's like, I look back at those, those writings and I, you know, run my fingers over the, over the, um, the pages and you just feel the, the writing. And it's like, wow, like I'm nowhere near that person I used to be. And like, here I am over here. So it's so cool to see that concrete record of where you've been to like where you are now. And I just find that to be really empowering. Yeah. Like so, so amazing because I know, um, a lot of people that are listening and I know I used to be this person too, where I'm overly optimistic. Um, and I'm always looking at the bright side of things. Mm -hmm. And so same thing, I think people get annoyed with it because they're like, well, what, like, what if this goes bad? And what, and I'm like, I haven't even thought about that. (laughs) But similarly, you know, I've gone through, we all go through things in our lives that can change and shape us in different ways. Um, and I remember years ago, someone had mentioned journaling and I was like, no, don't have time for it. I'm not sitting down to do it. Yeah. And then it got to a point where same thing. I was just not that person that I was. And I was like, okay, well maybe I'll try. And I love to write, right? Like Mm -hmm. I love writing. Um, and so I would, yeah, I've, I've spent time journaling. I do a lot of meditation too. And so Mm -hmm. I love the descriptiveness of it, of like where you were to where you are now. So is journaling like a daily practice? Is it something that you're like, okay, I'm at, I'm at the place I want to be right now. Do you stop or do you just keep, is it something you do all the time? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. So um, my answer to that is actually like, I don't think that journaling is a one size fits all. I think that it depends completely on the season of life that you're in. And I also think my approach to it is also journaling as much as you need it. So when I first started journaling, I did it all the time, yeah. <laughs> like all the time, <laughs> multiple times a day in the morning, at night, sometimes in the middle of the day, especially if it was just like a really trying day. And I was being really, really like brutal to myself. Um, and so, and I was writing pages. It was, you know, not like bulleted lists of gratitude or just like listing anything. It was like pages and pages and words and sentences and paragraphs of me processing, fully trying to capture what I felt, try to reframe it, like all that kind of stuff. It was a lot of processing. A lot of my early journals are about that. Um, and then as time moves, moves forward and things are getting better, you know, different classes, like, you know, life goes on, you figure out how to teach in a pandemic. It's not as challenging. Right. And my entries started to shift. Like it wasn't long pages of processing or picking topics or themes to reflect on. It shifted more toward like gratitude and just like checking in. And sometimes I'd have longer entries. Sometimes I'd reflect about goals. Sometimes I would meditate and then afterwards reflect on that. So it's like 
it changes and it should change over time, right? Because we're in different seasons of life and that would then demand different types of journaling to meet yourself where you're at. So for example, if you're in a season of life where you're not confident you're like, I need to build up my confidence, dang it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Then, you know, affirmations like intentions, like those would be really good things to, to dig into. And, you know, even longer entries of processing, like, why don't I feel confident? Like, where does that come from? What situations do I not feel confident? You, You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. So did you start with, cause I know you said you started with the podcast where people had questions for you and then over time you started to be able to kind of like ask yourself questions. Is it recommended, uh, for somebody to start with guided questions? Cause I know when I started meditating, mm-hmm. it was like guided meditation because my brain wouldn't shut off. And so unless I had someone walking me through it, there was no way. Whereas now I can sit in silence and meditate on my own because I've now cultivated or created that environment within my own brain that I can actually shut it off for a minute. So Mm -hmm. is journaling the same way for people? If they're like, what do I even journal about? Where do I even start? Like, is it recommended? Is your book the thing that's going to guide them in that? I love this question. Um, yes. I mean, so of course, like selfishly, I'm going to say, yes, my book is going to totally guide you that way. Um, but I mean, yeah, like uh, with, without podcasts, I mean, I probably wouldn't have been journaling, (laughs) you know? So, and I mean, that's like how the, how the book is sequenced as well. It's like the first chapter, like you have all the introductory materials. First chapter is using personal development as a springboard to journal. Chapter two is like a ton of different methods on how to journal independently. So like separate from any prompt or question. Right. And then the third chapter is actually kind of more entrepreneurial for like content creators where it's like a ton of different ways to journal, to create that sense of content, to create your, your purpose, to create programs, like all of that kind of stuff. And then the concluding materials is just using journaling as, as a record. And I tie all of that together, um, to say, you know, it's about your personal growth, but it's also about the, um, progression of your ideas over time too, because it drives me crazy (laughs) when people say like, oh, this is a bad idea. I'm just going to let it go. Like, no, I don't care how crazy backwards inside out, like weird. It sounds like you have to write that down somewhere because you never know how that could develop for the, for the future. Right. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I do think it's very helpful to have that sense of like guidance from other person's questions or, you know, like a podcaster getting you to, you know, journal out, uh, something out. But I do think that it's the variety of different methods and then the different season of life that you're in where like the real magic happens. And my book takes you like through those, through those steps. So cool. So if somebody was interested, obviously your book is available on Barnes and Noble now, so they can go there and purchase it as a hard copy and as a digital copy. Um, it is not currently digital. I could only do yeah. one thing at a time and that was a totally. whole other beast. So right now it's only in hard copy and it's only available like through their online store. So like if you went to a Barnes and Noble, you wouldn't find it because you gotcha. have to sell X amount of copies before that's, that's the goal. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, like I can, I can provide you a link to where, where you can like find it in their online store, but yeah, it's only in physical paperback right now. Brilliant. And would you say that journaling is for everybody or like, who do you feel like it's the most suited for, or is that even an answer? <laughs> Ooh, yeah, no, I like that question. Um, you know, I think anybody 
could get value out of my book if you want to learn how to journal, but it's specifically tailored toward that ambitious woman who really wants to work on herself, who wants to grow um, and really use journaling as a vehicle for, for that growth. Um, I also get other, other women just the other day, someone told me they were like, I really, I want to journal, but like, I physically am am incapable of doing so. Like it hurts my body to sit for like any amount of time. And I was like, wow, like, I, I so appreciate you reaching out to me to tell me this. And there's a whole entire, um, section. I think it's in chapter, it's, it's the second or third chapter where I talk about all the different, like, you know, talk to text or, you know, the voice memo, like other ways that you can still journal to capture your thoughts, to be able to process, you know, all of that kind of stuff, because, you know, some people don't like to just <laughs> sit or like, they literally like can't sit. Um, I hear from verbal processors all the time. They're like, Oh, this and that of, you know, verbal processing. I'm like, great. Just hit the voice memo button on your phone as you're verbally processing so that you don't have to lose that stuff. Even to this day, like I need to get better at that. When I go for walks around my neighborhood with my husband, we'll be having a conversation and he'll say something or I'll say something. I'll be like, what did we just say? Like, I need that exact wording. What did we just say? And I'll have to like quick type it on my phone. But if, you know, you're getting into the groove and you're like, okay, I think I'm going to want to come back to this later and just like hit that voice, voice memo. Cause that can be kind of like a, a verbal journal diary. (laughs) Yeah. So what is the benefit, um, of the different ways? Cause I, I guess I always just thought of journaling as like sitting down, getting your book and writing in Mm -hmm. a book. Yeah. But there's different ways people process the information. And so mm-hmm. you so you talk about the different techniques in your book, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not just having a journal where you're ha- handwriting in a, in a book. You could voice note mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there could be different stages like to, to journal as well. Like I, I've done it multiple ways. And actually, I don't think I really go into this um, as much into the book. So cool for, you know, yeah. content for your listeners. Um, but you know, there have been different times where it's like, I really like, just like need to walk and sit and like mull over what it is I'm thinking about. And then when I'm kind of done walking and mulling, I'll flip open the journal or there's other times where I'll just be like annoyed by something or like need to process something and I'll go straight to the journal. And then after I'm done, I'll like take a walk or whatever it is. So it's like, you can journal in different, different places where you're at in the, the thought process as well. Ah, so interesting because yeah, you get this idea that like, and I think I, that's why I probably struggled with journaling at the beginning. Cause I was like, I can't, I don't, I'm not sitting here and writing this, but I voice <laughs> note myself all the time Yeah. or I'll write out stuff in text notes, right. Mm-hmm. Or just in my phone that may or may not ever be turned into anything. It's just mm-hmm. there, right. Yep. It's just there to like, get it out. And so that is pretty interesting because I think that anybody that's listening, that might be like, you know, I just can't sit in journal. It's actually just a vehicle to process whatever's going on in your brain, right? Mm-hmm. It's a great yeah. way to just get it out and to process it. And it doesn't have to be like that one size fits all or cookie cutter where it's like, okay, I have to sit down every morning at 9am and write. It's like, <laughs> yep. Because that's the other thing I know that a lot of the listeners will say, you know, well, I, I'm not putting this, I, how do you put this into a routine, right? Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be, it's just a matter of, like you said, you could be walking around the block with your spouse and something could come up and you you get it down on voice note or mm-hmm. text or whatever. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. So yeah. there's in one of the chapters, there's a meth, you, you go through all of these methods, like the different yeah. ways in which you can do that. How mm-hmm. many are there? 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, (laughs) um, total with the book. Oh my gosh. I have no idea. There's like, I'm just going to like throw a number out. Cause I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I think, I mean, throughout the book, there's has to be at least 20, like 20 different ones. And then in chapter two alone, I think there's like 11 or 12 ways to just independently journal separate from anything. It's just, it's just you. So yeah. brilliant, brilliant. So lots of options for people if they're listening right now and they're like, you know, I don't want to sit and write in a piece mm-hmm. in a book. That's just not my thing. There's other ways and other options that people yeah. can do it. So what I know you share the benefits of your journey with journaling. What, what can you share with our listeners? Like, what are some other benefits that it, it helps them with? Yeah. So that's a really, really good question. So we've talked a lot about processing, right? Um, for me, and I know that this, like some people will have resistance to this and that's Okay. But for me, like one of the, one of the most bread and butter kind of, um, journaling methods for me is what I call like the check-in method. Um, and this has been huge for me in terms of like burnout, in terms of like knowing when to take a break, when I need some fun to just refill creative, the creative cup, you know, it's just like that check-in method where you literally just kind of like sit down, you just take a deep breath and you're like, okay, like, how am I right now? Like, how am I actually doing right now? What am I thinking? What am I feeling? Like what's on my mind? And you just kind of answer those questions. You explore what's there. And sometimes like, we're just so busy or there's so much on our plates. And we're just like, we're like, so focused on the next thing that we don't even realize there's tension in the body. We don't even realize that we need that break, that extra sleep, that night off. And I think you know, the, the, the check-in method is just really important to just kind of being human. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a way to sit still. It's a way to actually check in with ourselves. And honestly, it lends itself, I think, to wellness and wholeness and all that kind of stuff. I love that because I do also know that a lot of listeners are going to be the high achiever, ambitious entrepreneurs that Mm -hmm. probably don't slow down as much as they should. (laughs) Um, And so to just give yourself that opportunity to just check Mm -hmm. in again, there's this idea, I think even my own belief around journaling, because what was taught to me about it, right, was like sit build it into your morning Mm -hmm. routine and Mm -hmm. write and all these sorts of things. And I had resistance around it. But even just that small little check-in, it doesn't have to be this big thing that you're adding to your routine. It can just literally be like, okay, how am I doing? What do I need? Because like you mentioned, that creative process for you and Keisha pointed out was like, it's not that you're trying to get this perfect or by any means doing that. It's you're not having fun with it anymore. Right. And that's the other really cool thing about any creative process is like, where do you lose that steam of fun, right? Like having Mm -hmm. to actually publish, (laughs) do (laughs) the whole tech stuff with Barnes and Noble and all that, right? Like that Mm -hmm. piece of it can be, um, maybe, you know, deplete that creative flow that you had. And it's like, Mm -hmm. can you just take a moment and take a break and step away for a minute and then come back, uh, rejuvenate. And I know when I wrote my thesis and the book, that was exactly what I learned. One of the biggest lessons I learned was like sitting and trying to force myself to write was like the worst thing I could have done. And actually was why I needed to like continue to add extensions because I was just trying to sit at a computer. Um, and it, and what benefited me was going for a walk or, you know, uh, stepping away from it. So 
I know we've covered a lot and I know there's so much more <laughs> in your book. And now I'm really intrigued to get your book <laughs> <laughs> because you've opened my eyes to the world of journaling um, and that there's multiple different ways to do it. And it doesn't have to be just like that traditional way. Mm-hmm. I think that I expected or thought it was yeah. Um, and that, yeah, you can integrate it into your life, depending mm-hmm. on the season. It can be something yeah. you do daily, or it can be something you do when you hit a road bump or Mm -hmm. a challenge or whatever, or you catch yourself, you know, running negative Mm -hmm. thoughts. So is there anything that we haven't covered today that you want to share with our listeners about journaling, about the book, about publishing, any of that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh my gosh, (laughs) so many things. No, um, I just, I had so much fun writing this book and it's, it's not, it's not written in that academic sense of like, I am going to tell you what to do, like, like a robot. Like it's just, it is literally like a choose your own adventure approach to journaling. And I'm in it with you. There are raw and real scans of my, of my journals, um, throughout, like throughout the book where it's like, I'm in this with you. I really want it to feel like we are friends chatting in a coffee shop or like, you know, like on your couch with wine, like we are in this together. (laughs) I'm not just telling you what to do. Like I am living, breathing proof that, you know, you can use journaling to grow, to do whatever it is like that you want to do. It's also chock full of mindset advice, tons of exercises. There are prompts in, in the back based on my own podcast and like, you know, tons of general prompts that you could use as well. Tons of resources. Um, and my favorite part about the whole entire book is that, um, I charged more for it (laughs) because, um, part of the proceeds funnel directly into a scholarship fund that I'm starting for young women to be able to apply to college. And that is just like the tip of the iceberg of all the different philanthropic things I want to do. Like I want to move mountains. And so this love is my, it. this is my first step. <laughs> love it. Love it. Well, yeah. So we'll, we'll link up the link. So in the show notes so that people can run and grab that book, but I love mm-hmm. that you're giving back Um, and that it's just the tip of the iceberg and that you have all these other things Mm -hmm. in, in the work. So it's been such a pleasure connecting with you. And like I said, you've sold me on the different ways we can journal, which I think (laughs) is super cool. Um, like I said, I'm a processor, so I do lots of voice notes and stuff to myself. So I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm excited to, uh, to get my hands on your book and and check it out. Um, is there any final things? Is there any, uh, where can they, our audience find you if they want to connect with you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I'm on Instagram at Dr. Maggie Marie, and I'll give you the spelling because I'm a weirdo that spells it weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's where I am on Instagram. And then I have my website, which is also MeggieMarie.com. And there are so many free juicy resources like on that, on that website. So just go to the free tab. Like there's so many things on there. And the, the only other thing I'll say is just that I have a podcast and it's the power within her. It releases every single Tuesday. Brilliant. Awesome. And we will link all of those up again in the show notes so that people can uh, quickly access that. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm so glad we had Megan on the show today to talk about the power of journaling and to also open not only my perspective, but I hope open your perspective to what journaling is and what it can be. I know that I've tried journaling in the past. I tried sitting down with a notepad and pen, and it never really stuck. I couldn't stick with it. And as a writer myself, I know that seems a little counterintuitive or weird, like this is what I love to do. Journaling just never was a thing. I really resonated with like meditating, um, but I also don't think I like the form of sitting and writing with paper. And so 
I think Megan has completely shifted my perspective. I don't think I know she shifted my perspective around journaling and that it doesn't have to be what we think it is. It doesn't have to be that finding that quiet space in your house and writing down those things in a notepad, that there are other forms of journaling and that the power of getting those thoughts and ideas and whether it's negative self-talk or it's brilliant million dollar ideas that are swirling around in that whole head of ours that we can get it out in some type of written or verbal form so that it's the process out of our brains, right? And when we can get it out in verbal form or written form, we can actually look at it very objectively on a piece of paper, right? We can easily see on that piece of paper or listening to it again via audio or taking that audio and transcribing it into words so that we can read it to really digest what's going on in our brain of ours so that we can rewire some of that thinking. And I loved that she shared her story about how, you know, she was always this optimistic, you know, outgoing person. And over time, that sort of demeanor and attitude and perspective on life changed. And she had kind of lost herself in that process. And I think that we can all really relate to that at some point. I'm sure at some point in all of our lives, I know in my life, you know, that we kind of lose ourselves in the day-to-day, the mundane routines that we're in, or maybe we're in a shitty job and we, you know, are, it's impacting our well-being, or maybe we're doing something in life or in a relationship that we don't want to be in, you know, Um, I'm sure we can all resonate with that and how just getting her thoughts and ideas down on paper allowed her to really see what she was thinking, what she was saying to herself and all those sorts of things so that she could really transform that. And it's just so empowering to hear her story. And I know I resonated with a lot of her story. So if you haven't got her book yet, I highly suggest that you go out and get it. I know it's at Barnes and Noble. We've linked it up in the show notes here for you to easily access it. And we've also linked up ways that you can connect with her if you're wanting to chat more about writing book or you want support from her in any capacity uh, or listen to her podcast. I mean, she's got an amazing podcast all around women empowerment, which is so beautiful. So definitely connect with Megan. She is such a lovely soul and it's such a pleasure to have connected with her here today. Now onto episode number 49. I have a very, very important topic I want to share with you. And that's how to go against the grain in a world that rewards same, same cookie cutter ways of being. If you don't know by now, I created a quiz that isn't like any other quiz the the market has seen, the interwebs have seen. It's, I say, the most amazing quiz the interwebs have seen. I know it's a bold statement, but it really honestly is. And it's a quiz that helps entrepreneurs identify what their elevated edge is, what makes them unique. But speaking your truth, going against the grain is easier said than done in a lot of cases. It takes a lot of courage and bravery to really stand up and express yourselves as authentically as possible, to really own your story. And so I want to share with you ways in which you can go against the grain, especially in a world that rewards that same, same cookie cutter, you know, go to university, get your career, get married, have kids, have that white picket fence, whatever it might be how to really go against the grain so that you can pivot in life right now if you're wanting to make a massive pivot 
Or if you're like, hmm, I want to take a big risk in my business that I'm running, or I want to start a completely new business, this episode is going to be for you. It's going to help you. We're going to dive deep into the topic of going against the grain and how you can really do that and lean into that, even if it doesn't make sense to everyone around you, even if you think, you know, you're fearful of what you might lose as a result of that, it is going to be an amazing episode. So be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss when it launches next week. I hope you guys have a fab week. Cheers. Thanks for listening. We'll see you right back here next time. You can also find us on social media at Creatively Owned and online at creativelyowned.com. Until next time, keep showing up as your authentic self. 